0: Welcome back. This is Avery After Dark, and I'm your host, Avery Ross. I hope you all are having a really nice week. I tried to soundproof my studio as much as I can, but it is storming outside, so you may hear a little bit of rain. But if you're like me, I love listening to a good storm. I want to say I'm so happy you all enjoyed last week's story time. I got quite a few comments from you all about how shocked you were at the end, and that's exactly what I was going for. I'm working on stories every week, so I will have a new one up for you all very soon. We love a good twist ending, don't we? So if you haven't listened yet, pop on over to my most recent episode and listen to A Kiss on the Hand. It is a jaw dropper. Today we're going to talk about an unsolved case out of Victoria, British Columbia. I know I've got some listeners up there, so maybe you might be familiar with this case. It's one I did a few different TikTok stories on earlier this year, and when I did, this case is so shocking, the comment section became a full-on discussion board. Today we are talking about the unsolved murder of Lindsay Buziak. I really wanted to do this episode for Lindsay, and also for Lindsay's dad, Jeff Buziak, who has been tirelessly advocating for his daughter for all these years. He wants to see justice for his daughter, as do many of us. So let's break down what happened. In 2008, 24-year-old Lindsay Buziak was working as a real estate agent in Victoria, British Columbia, which really is such a beautiful area. I haven't visited yet, but I have seen pictures and video and wow, it is gorgeous. Lindsay grew up in the area and was really well-liked and popular amongst friends and family. They described her as caring and really social. She was really excited about her blossoming career. Being so beautiful there, that real estate market is highly sought after. So although she was still young, she was working on building up her name. That industry is so heavily relied upon by... Referrals, so your reputation really is everything. At the time, Lindsay had a boyfriend named Jason Zylo, who she lived with. Jason came from a wealthier family that also worked in real estate. Jason worked as a broker, and Jason's mother, Shirley Zylo, was actually a manager at the REMAX office where Lindsay worked. So they were all connected to each other in that real estate community. One day, in late January 2008, Lindsay received an unexpected phone call on her personal cell phone. On the other end of the call was a woman who told her that she was looking for a home for her and her husband. The caller said they were moving from Vancouver to Victoria for work. So right off the bat, this is strange. Lindsay usually didn't receive these work calls on her personal cell phone, and it gets stranger. The caller said that they were ready to buy and their budget was $1 million. There was a real sense of urgency as well. The caller stated that they were highly motivated and wanted to close on a home within the next day or two. So that is a pretty tight turnaround. Lindsay noted that the caller had a strange accent. She said she sounded Spanish, but not really. The caller gave a few must-haves for the house, such as a separate space for their housekeeper. Lindsay, although knowing that this would be a huge client in commission for her, was skeptical of the call. She asked the mysterious caller how she got her name because this really wasn't standard for how she would get clients. Usually, a client would call her office phone. The caller said that she got it from a previous client of Lindsay's. Lindsay supposedly tried to check with this previous client, but they couldn't be reached to confirm or validate this caller's identity. But big red flags were waving. Lindsay felt something was off about this whole thing. She said it was almost like the person was trying to maybe use a fake accent to disguise their real voice. And from our standpoint, this caller really said pretty much everything they knew a real estate agent would want to hear. Big budget want to buy within the next 48 hours? Almost too good to be true. Something felt off. But it would be a million-dollar job. She was a fairly junior real estate agent, and this would be a pretty big sale for her. She spoke to her dad Jeff about the mysterious caller, and she also talked it over with her boyfriend Jason. And he reportedly told her to take the job, as her commission would be substantial and if she was feeling weird about it, he would come along and wait outside to make sure everything went smoothly. This obviously comforted Lindsay, and she found a suitable home to show the woman in Saanich. She set to meet the caller at 5.30pm on Saturday, February 2nd. That Saturday, Lindsay and Jason ate a light lunch and finished around 4.30pm. The two left in separate vehicles to the showing Lindsay went home to change for the meeting and Jason said he was going to run and pick up a friend and told Lindsay that he would be at the showing just after 5.30 p.m. Lindsay pulls up to the showing at 1702 Souza Place, which was a small cul-de-sac neighborhood with only four homes. The lockbox of the home was opened at 5.29 p.m. and it's around this time Lindsay and Jason text. He tells her he's on the way and she said the clients are just arriving. This is the point where we really rely on witnesses to give us a picture of what happened next. Although the woman told Lindsay she would be coming alone to the showing, witnesses said they saw a six-foot white male with dark hair and a blonde-haired woman between 35 to 45 wearing a patterned dress walking up to the home to meet Lindsay. The witnesses said they saw the couple walk rather than drive up, and it seemed that they had parked somewhere else and walked up to the showing. They all shook hands, and all three entered the home. Jason and the friend arrive around 5.40 p.m. As he pulled up, Jason said he saw a figure standing in the front door and assumed the showing was underway. He watched the figure linger around the front door and then watched the person walk back into the house. He said he didn't want to seem like a nosy boyfriend, so at this point he backs out of the driveway and goes and parks on the main street. Jason and the friend wait for a bit, and around 5.55, he texts Lindsay to ask if everything's going okay. Lindsay doesn't respond, nor does she even open the text message. He continues to wait, and around 6.05, Jason becomes worried. He goes up to the front door and finds it locked. He repeatedly knocks, but no one comes to the door. It's at this point that Jason feels there's something really wrong. Jason calls 911 and while on the line, his friend found a gap near the patio area to the backyard. The two get into the house and Jason hangs up with 911. So Jason gets into the home, starts yelling for Lindsay and sees her shoes right by the front door, but she isn't answering. The house is eerily quiet. Jason then runs up the stairs to find Lindsay alone in the master bedroom. She had been stabbed multiple times and was not moving. Jason then calls 911 for the second time and said Lindsay wasn't breathing and asked for an ambulance. But it was too late. Lindsay had already passed and was pronounced dead when paramedics arrived. Police arrived shortly after and they find Lindsay had no defensive wounds, indicating that she had no idea what was about to happen to her. And the killers that posed as the buyers were nowhere to be found. It's assumed they ran out the back and had to have parked on another street as no one saw them flee. None of Lindsay's possessions were stolen. This was a completely senseless and unconscionable attack on an innocent young woman. Lindsay's family and friends were heartbroken, and police immediately start investigating, starting with those closest to Lindsay, a.k.a. Jason. Jason was reportedly very cooperative with police and said that he and Lindsay were really happy together. But Lindsay's dad Jeff had a different take on their relationship. A few weeks prior to the crime, Lindsay had visited her dad Jeff in Calgary, Alberta. He said Lindsay told him that she wasn't happy with Jason. She told her dad that Jason was really into her But he was also very jealous and possessive, and she really wasn't into that. That visit left Jeff with the impression that Lindsay may be ending things with Jason in the near future, which I feel like your parents always sense when you're unhappy in a relationship, even if you're not ready to admit it yourself. My mom always knows if a relationship is heading downhill. I'm like, no, it's going great. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. I really do think parent intuition is very real. And now a quick word from today's sponsor. So as the details of the case begin to come out, many wondered, with Lindsay obviously vocalizing concern over the showing, why was Jason late? Especially 10 minutes late, when showings only usually last 10, 15, 20 minutes. I would personally really hope my boyfriend or husband would be there for me if I expressed concern for my own safety and not shown up late because of an errand with a friend, but onward. Surveillance footage did show Jason with his friend on the other side of town during the time of the crime. And again, Jason was said to be more than willing to help police and answer any and all questions. So for police, his alibi checked out and he also passed a polygraph test. The complete lack of DNA, fingerprints, or really any other evidence at the scene led many to believe that this was a well-organized hit and was carried out by people who had most likely killed before. Police believe that it was the killers in the doorway that Jason saw when he pulled up. They also believe that based on the time frame of the murder, they were most likely leaving the crime when they spotted the car in the driveway and then fled through the back door instead. Police looked more into this mysterious call that Lindsay received that led to her meeting with these killers. The cell phone used by the unidentified caller was purchased in Vancouver several months before the murder and wasn't in use until that call with Lindsay. It was activated under the name Paulo Rodriguez, which police believe was a fake name. That phone was deactivated soon after the murder and has never been used again. It looks like that phone was used solely for Lindsay's murder, which would mean this had been planned for months. Which is eerie, heartbreaking, and gives me goosebumps. So here's another strange connection between that home Lindsay showed and Jason's family. D'Souza Court is named after the developer, Joe D'Souza who was a friend of Jason's mother, Shirley. Joe was actually at the very scene an hour prior to Lindsay's showing that day, supervising construction in the neighborhood. So that is strange. And again, this whole group was very intertwined. There were also fleeting rumors that this could have been the work of the drug cartel because of the rampant drug activity in Alberta at the time. It was suggested that maybe Lindsay was a police informant, but this was pretty quickly ruled out and it sounds pretty far-fetched to me. Police and Jeff Buziak believe that this was personal and planned by someone who knew Lindsay and was close to her. This person had inside information about her. So police really have no leads and no one in Jason's family is considered a suspect. But let's discuss something strange that was reported later in 2008. According to a close friend of Lindsay's named Nikki, Nikki said that one evening she received a phone call in the middle of the night from an unknown number. Nikki was half asleep but picked up the phone and said she couldn't really understand what the caller was saying. But noticed they were speaking in a forced, fake-sounding foreign accent. When suddenly, it clicked for Nikki. This woman had that same kind of fake sounding accent that Lindsay said her mysterious caller had. The call was disconnected, and Nikki began calling the number back 20 to 30 times until she got an answer. And she finally did. Can you guess who was on the other end of that phone? Shirley Zylo, Jason's mother. Nikki asked Shirley why she called her and how she even had her number. This was extremely strange, as the two didn't even know each other personally. Shirley reportedly said she meant to call another Nikki, a secretary of hers, and that she didn't know why Nikki's phone number was in her phone, but said that Jason, her son, must have added her number. All I have to say about that is, wow, that's pretty eerie. Shirley denies that this happened and denies any involvement in Lindsay's murder. It hasn't been revealed publicly by police whether this has been investigated by the authorities, which is extremely aggravating. It lends a hand into a lot of Jeff Busiak's frustration with the police department in regards to his daughter's case. In interviews, Jeff has said that he believes Jason knows what happened that day and said his father's intuition tells him that Jason was somehow involved. That is what Lindsay's dad thinks, and every year Jeff holds a public walk for justice for Lindsay. I cannot imagine his heartbreak and the exhaustion because it's been 14 years and her case remains unsolved. That man and woman from the showing have never been identified, and as of May 2022, Shirley is suing Jeff Buziak and a few others for defamation. In his first interview since 2010, Jason Zylo told the media, We're not trying to stop Jeff from finding Lindsay's killers. We're just trying to stop the lies and people calling our family murderers when it's not true. I covered Lindsay's case a few months ago and didn't mention any of Jeff Buziak's statements or beliefs, and most of my comment section were suspicious of the Zilo family just based on the facts surrounding this case. Suspicions towards the Zylos began almost immediately after the murder, so for her to place blame on Jeff Buziak for the public's perception of her and her family is pretty shocking. Shirley told the media recently that, quote, I went through a very bad depression years ago when this first started, and I had a really hard time trying to understand how people can do this, and it really wore me down, end quote. Really? I'm not really sensing a lot of uh, sympathy for Lindsay or her dad in that statement. It was mostly about her. In response to the defamation suit, Jeff Buziak said he isn't surprised and said he often receives threats of lawsuits. He also said that Shirley has been one of his biggest enemies. He spoke of her as an aggressor and said that she has not cooperated with him in trying to solve Lindsay's murder. He also said... Doesn't Canada have freedom of expression? I expressed myself. Jeff is just a dad trying to find justice for his daughter. As we discussed, this was a crime that appeared to be in the making for months, and it seems very personal. Lindsay didn't have any known enemies, and this wasn't a robbery gone wrong. And I personally can't shake that phone call Lindsay's friend got that night that she alleges was Shirley Zilo. Why on earth would Shirley be calling Lindsay's friend, whom she didn't know, in the middle of the night using a strange accent? All in all, a lesson that can be learned from Lindsay's case is to always trust your gut instinct. If you feel like something is wrong or off, it's because it probably is. I believe God gives us that instinct to help guide us from harm harm. And I can say that I've never regretted backing out from something that I had a strange feeling about. It doesn't matter if there's 10 bucks or $10 million at stake. Nothing is worth your precious life. And look out for your family and friends. If someone is feeling weird or iffy about a situation, go with them. Take that time out of your day. Always make sure your loved ones feel protected. I really do hope that this case is solved This has been a devastating injustice for Lindsay, Jeff, their family, and women in the workplace everywhere. As always, make sure you are following along with Avery After Dark on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm linking all those below. And hopefully one day soon we'll have an update on Lindsay's case and it will be solved. I appreciate you all so much. Take care of yourselves this week and I'll see you next episode, my friends.